Coast Church Charlotte. All of you joining us online, we welcome you today. We're Thank you for joining with us. It would have been better if you were here, but I don't know where you would have sat, but it still would have been funner to watch you stand up the whole service. Uh, uh, but you can have church in your living room. Amen. Um, there are a few seats in the center section and on the front rows. Uh, there's still people outside. So just so you know, the only downside of being down here on the front row is I may use you in a preaching illustration. There's nothing wrong with that. It totally could happen. Uh, it might be exactly what you need. Praise the Lord, somebody. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he is always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. Somebody say it with me. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I feel him in my heart. Would you just take a praise break right now and lift your hands, your voice as heavenward, and say, Lord Jesus, we praise you. We worship you in this house. We celebrate your ultimate victory. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are powerful. You are glorious. And we bless you today. Amen. If this is your first time visiting with us, I want to say thank you for taking a chance on us. We want you to feel at home. We're glad you're here. Uh, we have a uh, full day here at First Church. We'll be having church pretty much all day long. Uh, we're one church, two locations. Uh, we have a two o'clock service in, Con in Concord, right at the end of Reuben Linker Road. If any of you want to uh, join us over there, uh, we welcome you to do so. I'm preaching a different message over there than I'm preaching here today. And so you won't be able to blame me for boring you to death. I will have something else going on. Uh, but I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord with all of you today. I heard a uh, funny, actually it was written in to a, a Christian newspaper. Um, they asked, they had a column where you could write in questions. They asked, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? And so the editor replied like this, dear, dear reader, Please beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the blistering sun for six hours. Run a spear through his heart. <laughs> Take him down. Wrap him up. Put him in a sealed airless tomb for 72 hours. And if he's still alive, believe what he says. <laughs> Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, this is verse number one, Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love the image of that. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They fell out. That was the first instance of people falling out. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus. People who seek Jesus just have different things that they don't. It's like they don't have to be afraid of the same things that other people are afraid of. They seek Jesus. Uh, he's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Notice verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Somebody say, going to Galilee. There, there you will see him. Uh, my theme today is a question. Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to be a part of this? Before we go on, smile at your neighbor. Uh, elbow them real hard if it's appropriate or real soft if it's appropriate. And say, do you want to be a part of what Jesus is doing anyway? <laughs> Would you like to be a part of what Jesus is going to do, whether or not you're at a part? I, I, I think I can speak for most of us here. I want to be a part of what's going on in the kingdom of God. Put your hands together. Give God a hand clap of praise. What is the significance of Galilee? It's an important question. What is the significance of Galilee? Why, I would ask, why would Jesus speak to disciples, to women who were serving as emissaries to disciples? Uh, why would Jesus meet them in Galilee? He was already in Jerusalem. They were already in Jerusalem. So if you're already here and I'm already here, why, pray tell, do you want me to meet you there? I thought about this this week and I spent some time trying to research what was the significance of Galilee. And as best as I could determine, Galilee is a place of spiritual becoming. It is a place of coming into your role, coming into your knowledge, coming into who you were ordained to be. That is certainly one significance of Galilee. I'll explain. It is in Galilee that the Lord is uh, brought to his adulthood. Um, he is born in Bethlehem, flees to Egypt, but when he's brought back, it is to Galilee. Galilee was not a place of uh, pretentious type individuals. Galilee is not a place of the glitterati of the Jewish religious elite. It is very much a place of the blue collar. It's very much a place of the mixed multitude. The most important thing for you to understand about this is that Galilee was looked down upon by the the elites of Jewish life, whether they were religious, whether they were uh, other type political or even economic, they, they looked down their long noses, so to speak, at Galilee, because Galilee was considered a place where the purity of Jewish life is mixed 
by reason of commerce, by reason of geography, by reason of uh, transportation. Galilee is where purity is somehow tainted by Gentiles, by other peoples, by other tribes. It is something that is uh, wrong with Galilee. Uh, Jerusalem is very much the city celebrated as the core of Jewish life. And whether or not that means you're on the governmental side as a king uh, or the king's court, or you're on the religious side as a tribe of Levi, house of God, Jerusalem is kind of the high holy place. Uh, There's not the same, how shall we say, associations in Jerusalem that there are in Galilee. If you understand the geography of the land and you understand the layout of the Roman roads, one of the great achievements of the Roman Empire is their construction of roads, which created the first, in many ways, multicultural empire, Rome, uh, created a very unique situation where you see uh, the roads of empire extend all through the land. And in the land of Palestine, in this land that would someday be known as a holy land, there is one place where the roads of empire traverse the land. There's one place where the roads of commerce traverse the land, where the roads of travel, the camel trains of uh, merchants cross the land. And that's not in Jerusalem. It's in Galilee. And the result is in Galilee, you have a great mixing of the people. In Galilee, you have the trails that are the, uh, not trails in the Roman Empire, but the roads that come through. In Galilee, there is the mixing of trade. When the legions march, they first come through Galilee. Galilee is to the north. It is just below uh, the mountains rising that we would think of of Lebanon. And as a result, it is where the Sea of Galilee is, all in the north. And the people around Jerusalem, they just, they, they think that Galilee is a place where if you're kind of a, you know, you're not as holy as you should be, or you're a compromiser, or you're too influenced by uh, Greco-Roman uh, philosophy, it would be uh, there that you would be exposed to that. But it is Galilee where Jesus, in his planning and in his purpose, he chooses to come of age. It's not in Jerusalem, it's in Galilee. It's in this great crossroads of empire. It's in this place of a great mixing of nationalities. It's in this place where not many mighty, not many noble live. A lot of ordinary people, a lot of common people here in Galilee. Uh, It has significance. It has importance. Jesus grows up in Nazareth. Where is Nazareth? Uh, It's in Galilee. All of his disciples are Galileans. Not one of them is from Jerusalem. Not one of them is connected with a Rolodex of the high and mighty. All of them are from Galilee. Uh, It is here where uh, Jesus is singled out by John the Baptist. It is here, Galilee, 
where John sees Jesus walking and arrested in his moment of anointing, he pauses as if to consider something he knew was coming, but not today. Has God ever done something like that in your life? I knew he could. I wasn't expecting it today. (laughs) I knew he could bless. I knew he could heal, but look what God, let me say it this way. Whatever you're going through, God can do something today. We used to sing, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is, because that means he can do something today. I want to speak faith over your life today. I want to speak hope into the dark shadows of your life today. God can make a difference. God can change your circumstances. God can wash your sins away. Is there anybody in the house that agrees with me? John sees Jesus walking by and he he says, Ah, oh, there, there's one coming whose shoe I am I, I, I am not worthy to mess with the latchet on his shoe. Uh, it is in, however, Galilee, where Jesus comes to John and says, I want to be baptized, and I'm sure John has a reticence within his spirit to uh, baptize Jesus, but Jesus is not doing it uh, because of his own sin. He's doing it because he loves people who are filled with sin. And he wants sinners to be moved by the direction of his choices. And so he is baptized. And where does that happen? It happens in Galilee. The Bible says that he grew in favor with God and man. How could Jesus be in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin if there was not days where he wondered whether or not he was anointed, whether or not he was the son of God, whether or not he was called to do the work of a Passover lamb. He did not know it all from the moment of his birth, but he grew in knowledge. He grew in wisdom. He grew in favor. And you can see in his life the blossoming of understanding until he accepts this role and he stands in this calling and he is awakened not just to the limits of the flesh, but the uh, limitlessness of the spirit. Where does that happen? In Galilee. Where does he learn how to pray? In Galilee. Where does he learn how to read the word in Galilee? Where does he first stand up in a synagogue and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, you know, uh, Isaiah 61. Where does he say that? He says that. Are you ready? I know you weren't going to know this, but I'm going to help you out in Galilee. His first miracle, which almost seems to be as much a surprise to him as it is to the people around him, is at a wedding in Galilee is the place of becoming. Not only that, Galilee is the place where you are exposed to the needs of real people, not lawyers arguing over how many angels can dance on the head of a pen, not debaters debating over whether or not you can wash your hands quickly or you have to take so many seconds to wash your hands before you partake. You can argue till your face is red in Israel, but in Galilee, it's just people with hurts. 
in Galilee, they're not debating uh, the uh, small scriptures of prophetic past. They are just hurting. In Galilee, they're hungry. Where is it that he looks upon the crowd with a compassion and a love and he says, uh, did these people bring anything to eat? And the answer is given back, no, Lord, they, they haven't been eating. They've been following you for days. And the Lord says, well, that's not right. He's moved with compassion for them. And there's a bunch of people there, 5,000 men, who knows how many women and children, a lot of folks. And he says, all right, that's, let's see what we can do with what we've got. That's a picture into the kingdom of God right there. Let's see what we can do with what we have. Uh, here's the reality. The church is not limited by what we don't have. It's limited by our unwilling to do what we can with what we have. Because if we will do what we can, God will make up the difference of what we cannot do. He says, bring me loaves and fishes, and they bring him a boy's lunch, and he blesses, and he breaks, and they give out as many as they would until all have been uh, le- uh, all have been filled. Where does that happen? Well, it happens in Galilee. Galilee is where you come of age. Galilee is where you see the needs. Galilee is where you are awakened to who you are in God. It's in Galilee that you speak to the storm and say, peace be still. Why do I bring this up? Because at this moment of the cross, or after the cross, I should say, at this moment where the angel is bringing a report, the report goes like this. Jesus has gone on ahead of you, and he would like to meet you in Galilee. But Lord, we're all right, already here. Uh, you're already here. Why would you uh, not do a better job of arranging your calendar than this? I, uh, why, why would you not just meet me here? Uh, there is a reality to the kingdom of God that I think is best displayed and best illustrated by the biblical image of spirit as wind, spirit as wind, and the teaching of that image which uh, goes like this. I'll paraphrase it in the NJE version of the scripture. Uh, The spirit will move and it will move as it will and it will move as the wind and you don't know nor do you control which way it is going to go. You do not know and you do not control uh, which way it's going to go. Uh, What you have to do is give up control and commit to following the leading of the spirit, not command the direction of the spirit. I don't know who God wants to bless here today, but I want God to bless somebody. If you'd like to take a moment right now and say, Lord, let it start right here in my life. Let it start in my family. Let it start in my neighborhood. I want to say this to you. I am not trying to control. I am not trying to command what God would do. Uh, One of the weaknesses as we organize religious effort is that we begin to control through interpretive effort what God is doing through Holy Spirit demonstration. And this is one of the reasons why, if you look at the history of spiritual awakening, If you do a survey of all of the great 
what you might think of if you have a religious formative background as a revival or what you might would think of as a religious awakening if you have more of a historical uh, cant to your mind. Whatever you want to call it, it goes like this. The generate or the people who received the last great awakening never accept and never approve of the people who receive the next one. Think about that. There's never been a religious awakening that was approved of by the previous religious awakening. Because people, and this is a human thing, this isn't one organization or the other organization, this isn't one nationality, this is a human thing. We first receive and then we seek to own, but we do not own God, God owns us. God does not work in our world. Hopefully, we work in his world. God does not serve us. Hopefully, we serve God. And within the story of uh, religion, there is this reality that first comes an awakening. And then as the people begin to organize themselves, they begin to decide what is real and what isn't real and who is good and who isn't good. And they try to do through division what the Holy Spirit started by inclusion. That's some fine preaching, Reverend. If you'd like to just take your time, you just need to ignore these people. They're, 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 they didn't get enough coffee. If you just ignore them and just focus on me. <laughs> we cannot seek to end through division what the Holy Ghost has started through inclusion. But I don't approve of that person. It's okay. That person may not approve of you. In the meantime, uh, he is not here. He is risen. Come see the place where they laid him. Why is that a unique scripture? Because the only people of Jesus' followers who saw where they laid him were the women who didn't leave and hide. Oh, they didn't hear me over there. Did y'all hear me? Can y'all pretend like you hear me? Give them a big amen over there. Say th- thank, thank you for my. The only people in all the house of the kingdom, all the believers, all the people, the only ones, not Peter, not John. Peter's in the corner flexing about how powerful he is. John's in the corner saying, I love Jesus so much. The rest of the disciples are out doing what? The only people in all the blah, 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 who saw where they laid him were these little women. They were there when they laid him in Joseph's borrowed tomb. They were there when they took his body down off Golgotha's frowning brow. And they were there when the body was carried to this place. And they were there when Joseph Arimathea said, use my tomb. Why did Jesus use Joseph's tomb? Well, if you're going to be in a place a very short while, it makes sense to rent, not buy. And so he was only going to be there a little while. He just needed an Airbnb. You know what I'm saying? He did not need a 30-year mortgage. He was fine with an Airbnb. And yes, 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 what happened next? 
They take this body and the women are weeping and Joseph Arimathea is standing there all dignified and he take this body and they lay it where? Somebody say there. They lay it where? Where? And the angel says, hey guys, since y'all were the only ones who knew where we laid him down, I'd like you to come be a witness to the fact that he is no longer there. Witness matters. I said, witness matters. I said, witness matters. I said, witness matters. I want you to... I'm going to show you how much witness matters. The stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus. Elbow your neighbor say, this is about to be good. Jesus can step through walls, honey. On Sunday night, he's going to show up. Imagine this is a wall. He's going to be like, hey, what you thinking? The stone's not rolled away for Jesus' exit. It's rolled away for the women's witness. They roll the stone away, and the angel's like, witness matters. I think they got that one more than y'all did. I think y'all missed that one a little bit. Witness. I'm going to go over there. Y'all are giving me the stink eye. I'm coming over here. Witness matters. How about y'all? Witness matters. Here's a $500 question. Does anybody in the house have a witness? Has God done anything for anybody? Has God washed anybody's sins away? Has he helped you get over drugs and alcohol? Has God made a way where there seemed to be no way? The last time where you thought you were going down, God spoke to your storm and said, peace be still. Witness. Y'all think y'all can do better than them? I said, witness. Now turn to the person sitting beside and you tell them. Ready? Witness matters. So just imagine I am the baddest angel you have ever seen. I am like, I, I've been training with the death angel. And sometimes he gets me and sometimes I get him. But we're, we're, we're some bad mama jamas. You know what I'm saying? We... You do not play. We will slap a fool. And I am showing up, and I got a job to wipe with this stone down here. And there's guards there, Roman Empire guards, and they don't impress me at all. In fact, I show up, and I look at them. I am zero impressed with these suckers. Zero, zero, zero impressed with these suckers. I am so unimpressed with these suckers. Forgive me if you have to follow me on the cameras. I'll just, y'all can talk bad about me later. Y'all are going to be, y'all going to be the mean soldiers. Y'all some pretty mean soldiers right here. Can y'all give me some mean body language? Get your hides up here. Come on, come up here. I got some pretty soldiers right here. I want y'all to give me some mean body language like, mm, jump fool, jump. Can y'all do that? Can you do that? Jump fool. You can't do that? Can you do it? You got a brother. I know you can do it. What? You're like, I slap a boy before breakfast. What are you talking about? Mm, mm. Now give me your best threat pose. The angel shows up. He's like, I might eat a sandwich later. He rolls away the stone. And then what does he do? I'm going to sit down right here. 
y'all fall out and act like you did. <laughs> Give these girls a hand. Isn't that awesome? What you waiting on, Mr. Angel? Oh, I had to roll this stone away. Why'd you have to roll this stone away? Well, <clears throat> some women are coming. The Marys. Don't mess with the Marys. Marys don't play. We have any Marys in the house? What? Mary Alato in the house? Mess with Mary. She'll punch you with her left hand. That's because her right's registered weapon. Some Marys are coming. Marys are coming. And I need them to see that the end they thought was the end was really just the opening credits. I need witnesses. I need witnesses. And so the women come, hey, ladies, what's up? Peace. Come on in here. Do you remember when you laid them right here? You thought your world was over. Your hope was ending. Your joy was falling in flames. I'd like you to notice he's not here. But he has risen. Just like he said he was going to do. Now, I need you to do, do, do me a solid. I need you to go tell those chicken men. <laughs> go find them chicken men. Nothing worse than chicken men. <laughs> Look, here's the deal about men. If men know what to do, they are awesome. But if you don't know what to do, find a woman. <laughs> it's the God's truth. It's the God. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. If you know what needs to happen, men are awesome. You're like, well, oh, they are cut down that tree. Then if they mess around with them, we'll serve some hot dogs. <laughs> but when you don't have a clue under heaven what to do, find some women. Yeah. Women are way better when you don't know what to do. They'll be like, baby, it's okay. You're going to get through this. It came to pass. It came to pass. Hallelujah. Let's pray. <laughs> men are like, my God, I failed everything I've ever done. <laughs> would you go find them chicken men and would you tell them? He was here, but he taint here no more. And he wants you to meet him in Galilee. We became what we are in Galilee. We were anointed in Galilee. We had our eyes open to the world in Galilee. We fed the 5,000 in Galilee. Yeah, this had to happen in Jerusalem. But this is a day. And I'm not calling you to a day. I'm calling you to a way. So, what's going to happen in Galilee? Well, this is what's going to happen. He's going to meet with them in Galilee, having fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Are you ready for this? Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously affect her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee 
of the nations, all right? Having placed us contextually and geographically in this Galilee, what's going to happen? Verse number two, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shine. To all of you people living in the land of death, in the Galilee of the nations, a light is going to shine. And Jesus is going to say, all right, I'm no longer in the grave. I told you I was going to do it. I did it, and it matters. And the work goes on. So I'd like you to meet me in Galilee. In Galilee, they rushed to meet him. Uh, They saw him for a moment Sunday night, but they rushed to meet him in Galilee. And what happens in Galilee? Well, a lot of things happen in Galilee. Peter gets prayed back through in Galilee. Elbow your neighbor, say that part's for you. Get your hide prayed back through. All right, so after that, what else happens in Galilee? Jesus says, cast your nets over on the other side. And the disciples are like, you know, we've been doing this all night long when we're supposed to do it, and you showed up with a smile and a happy meal, and you want us to work the rest of the day on the deep side. But at your word, because you told us to, I'm sure there's a metaphor here, some teaching experience, they let down on the other side, and they had a great catch on the other side of the boat. But that's not all that happens in Galilee. It's in Galilee that he puts them on the mountainside. And he says, all right, guys, I have a work for you to do. I want you to go into all the nations. And I want you to preach the gospel to every tribe and every kindred. And I want you to make disciples. And I want you to baptize them. Where does he tell them to do that? Somebody say, in Galilee. The kingdom of God is not going to end with any one of us. It's going on to that place of need. That geography where the roads of empire cross. I want you to meet me in Galilee. Let me say it differently. You are invited to be a part of the mission of Jesus Christ. You are invited to be a part of the crossroads and the highways of empire. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to care about somebody besides yourself. I want you to see the hungry person. I want you to see the needy person. I want you to see the Roman. I want you to see the Syrian. And I want you to go to all nations and I want you to make disciples. And so you are invited to be a part of the mission. You are invited to be a part of the mission. And this work is on the move. We don't have time to hang out and high five each other here in Jerusalem. We are going somewhere. Oh, that'll preach all by itself. We are going somewhere. You are invited to be a part of where God is going. You are invited to join in to the call that is 
given through the people of God, through the body of Christ to make a difference in your world. You are invited to be the lips that prays the prayers and speaks the name of Jesus over the needs in your world. You are invited to do more than simply have a type of religious label about your life, but rather say, I want to represent something to my world. I want to speak the promises of God to my world. You are invited to be a part of this. In fact, the invitation is so strong. Musicians, you can come. The invitation is so strong that you aren't just invited to be a part of the work. You are invited to be a part of the resurrection. You aren't just invited to be a part of the witness, not just a part of the worship, not just a part of the baptism team, not just a part of the making disciples team, not just a part of that. You are invited to be a part of the resurrection itself because here's the deal. The Lord did it as witness of what he was going to do in you. He did it as witness of what he wanted to accomplish in you. He did it as a manifestation, as a uh, earnest money deposit, saying, I did this so you would know I will do all that I said I would do. And he took my sin, he took my shame, he bore it on the cross. And then he surprised hell when he showed up and said, long enough, you have held humanity in the grip of fearing death. I'm here to free all humanity from a death that ends the story. Keys here now. And the keys of death and hell and the grave are placed in his hand and he is alive, arisen anew and afresh. Why do we speak the name of Jesus? Let me, let me end with this. You know, messiahs were not particularly rare in the history of Israel. However, I don't have time to do this justice, but let me just make a quick attempt at it. Um, the Jews accepted many people as a potential messiah in the annals of Jewish history. Uh, they even even uh, accepted foreign kings like Cyrus of Persia as potential Messiah uh, when he sent back after the Babylonian Empire, you can read this in the Hebrew Bible, sent back the house of Israel to uh, Israel. Uh, he was celebrated as such. Uh, others who, if you knew much about Jewish history, you would know uh, names such as uh, Bar Kokhba, who was a warrior revolutionary, led a Jewish revolt against against the Rome, Roman armies from A.D. 132 to 135. He was celebrated more than Jesus was by the Jews as a Messiah. Uh, Jesus was celebrated one day. They waved the palm branches one day. Every other day they fought him tooth and claw. Uh, but one day they celebrated son of David, Jesus, thou son of David. One day they elevated him. Here, Messiah, uh, this Messiah Bar Koba was celebrated much more than Jesus. Jesus ever was in Jewish history. Why, dear friends, do you not even know his name? And I don't even know how to pronounce it. I massacre the pronunciation, but that's better than
better than any of you because none of y'all even knew he existed. But he was celebrated as a Messiah by the religious crowd of uh, Jewish history much more than Jesus was. So why aren't we here saying, oh, Kumba, oh, Kumba, great is oh, Kumba. Why aren't we talking about Kumba? How do you pronounce his name? Because you didn't even know he existed. Why do you not know he existed? I'll tell you why. It makes perfect sense because his story ended. And when his story ended, he ended with death. And because death ends all of our stories, there wasn't much else to talk about. Hebrew Bible mentioned Cyrus as a potential uh, Messiah. Uh, why are we not here saying, oh, Cyrus, Cyrus? Because, <clears throat> forgive my Garinger speech, but he did. It's not rocket science. He did. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. I got to quit picking on Garinger. That's where I went to high school. Explains a lot, right? Yeah, I know. You little smart like down there, I know. Death ends the dream. And death ends the story. And death is the final statement made of a life of tears, smiles, joys, defeats, careers, savings, weekends, paychecks, children, grandchildren. Death is the end of that story. And that's all, folks. That's why you don't know these people's names. That's why we don't celebrate who they are, because death ended their story. But we are here today to celebrate one who uses death as the end of a beginning, not an ending. And because of that, we are here to celebrate this truth. Jesus said to her, and this is John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> not I was, not even I will be. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever, that's your line, whoever. Point, point yourself, say, I am whoever. Thank you very much. Whoever, that's me, Lord, right here, 2023. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Though he die, yet shall he live. And so, Apostle Paul wants to settle the issue. He says it like this. Days coming when the perishable will put on the imperishable and the mortal will put on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Stand with me all across the house. Could we take just a minute and give God a praise worthy of his work in our lives? All over this house, can you just take a minute right now and lift your voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, death, where is thy victory? I bless you, oh Lord. I bless you.
bless you, O Lord. I exalt you, O God. There's none like you. So here's, here's the end of the matter. I'm glad you all came to church on Easter. God bless you. I love you. I'll give you a hug and a good COVID kiss after church. But this is what I want you to know. God wants you to be a part of what he's doing anyway. Somebody say, he's doing anyway. He's doing anyway. God wants you to be a part of what he's doing anyway. I want you to, I'm not hanging around. I'll meet you in Galilee. I have places to be. I have things to do. There's a work to be done. I'll meet you in Galilee. The work goes on. I'm sorry that you had difficulty in your life, but the church marches on. I'm sorry somebody said something about you and it hurt. You know, they say about me too and it hurts, but the church goes on. I'm disappointed that certain things didn't happen the way I wanted, but here's the story. The church goes on and heaven pauses for a moment and says, oh, by the way, would you like to be part of this? You can be part of the testimony. You can be part of the witness. You can be part of the feeding the hungry. You can be part of the great commission. You can be part of the people filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You can get up out of that grave. It's happening anyway. Would you like to be a part of it? Oh, praise God. Would you tell the Lord right now, you want to be a part? Lord Jesus, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Don't let me slip away into a lackadaisical spiritual apathy, oh God, but I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to see the value of the body of Christ. I want to see the difference my word can make. I want to see the difference my prayers can make. I want to be a part of this great celebratory theme that is the foundation of our faith, that death is no longer the end of the story, but you are bringing us out with new hope, with new life, with new joy. In Jesus' name I pray. To all of you who have visited us today, thank you for visiting with us. If it's your first time, thank you for taking a chance on us. I know it's always a a little bit of uncertainty come to a new place, a bunch of people you don't know. We're glad you're here. We're going to move into our prayer service right now. And here's the deal. If you have a need, I want you to take advantage of the faith that's in this house. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We want to take advantage of the faith in this house. Now, if you stay in your hiding place behind the pew, no one will join you in prayer. They won't know you have a need. Uh, You will be maybe comfortable, but you will not have your faith joined to other people's faith. But if you have a need here today and you would like to be a part of the prayer service, I want you to know this altar is open. The whole of the church is open. The aisles are open. Where you're sitting is open. Our pastoral team is going to move among you. Our worship team is going to lead us in praise. If you need to go, you can go. God bless you. We're honored to have you. But we're moving from the service to the prayer service right now. And I want somebody who has a need that you need God moving in. You need a breakthrough in your life. You're not playing patty cake church here on Easter. You're calling on the name of the Lord. I'd like you to take a step of faith right now and say, I'm not worried about what anybody thinks about me. I'm not worried about who says this or what. I need a moving of the power of God in this house. We're moving into the prayer service. I want you to be a part of it. God bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. 
If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.